0: Hi, I'm singer, saxophonist and songwriter Curtis Steigers, and you're listening to Life Minute TV. Award-winning singer, songwriter, saxophonist Curtis Steigers first stepped onto the scene in 1991 with his eponymous debut album that sold 1.5 million copies. Since Steigers has gone on to tour the world, opening for the likes of Elton John, Prince, Eric Clapton, James Brown, Joe Cocker, Rod Stewart and Bonnie Raitt to name a few. His latest album, This Life, is a celebration of three decades of his professional music journey. The album reflects on his 13 albums, thousands of concert performances, and millions of miles on the road. We took a look back at his long and impressive career, which includes playing for presidents and princes. The talented Boise-born artist even
1: serenaded us with his guitar. So tell us about the album, This Life.
0: Well this life is uh, a look back at 30 years uh, in the record business uh, 30 years on the road millions of miles and thousands and thousands of concerts I um, I wanted to show how how much my songs and the arrangements of my songs have evolved like I have you know I'm 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 much older uh, than I was 30 years ago. I'm exactly 30 years older than I was, if if, if you want to do the math. Uh, I'm 56 now, and my songs are older, and they've they've grown they've changed on the road as we've played them we've created new arrangements for them my band and i i used to play with a pop soul band and now i play with a jazz quintet so we do versions of my old songs that are entirely different and i wanted i wanted to show that as well as some of the other songs that i've recorded i recorded what's so funny about peace love and understanding for the soundtrack to the bodyguard the movie the bodyguard back in the early 90s as well and we now do a completely different version of that, and I wanted to show that. I also sang and co-wrote the theme song to *The Sons of Anarchy*, the, the TV show, and we do a very different version from the, the the version that was recorded for the show because that was a blues rock thing. And I, again, I tour with a jazz quintet, so we we still have the edge and the the darkness of that tune, but we've uh, we've just added a little bit of. Uh, I don't know. A little bit of spookiness to it.
1: What inspired you to do this album?
0: Well, when when my when my 25th anniversary in the record business came up 5 years ago, I had this idea that I might want to do that but I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready to look back. I've never really been somebody who looks back at what he did before. I, I like moving forward. I like changing and learning new things. And at that time, I had an album out uh, with a big band, and so I d- it just didn't make sense to look back at that point. But as as 30 years came up uh, in the in the headlights, I, I thought, well, this would be a good time. This is a so I actually went into the studio in uh, October of uh, 2019. Uh, about four months before the world came to a screeching halt, uh, and that was just an accident. I I I, I went in then because I knew I, w- I had a new album coming out, an album called Gentleman, and I didn't want to I didn't want to miss the chance. I had some time off that October, so I took my band into the studio in Brooklyn, New York, at Brooklyn Recording, and we made this album. Looking back, playing the songs, the new versions of of all of my old songs, uh, and then pandemic, bam, you know, there's a plague, I couldn't leave my house for, for a year and a half. And so I couldn't have made this record. It really, I was very lucky. Uh, I was, uh, you know, I, I made an accidental, an accidental genius move there by by getting it made before everything came crashing down. So now that now that we seem to be somewhat coming out of this out of this dark period, and and I'm able to get back out on the road, I I have this record to celebrate my uh, my 30 years. And in fact, I meant for it to come out in uh, September, which would have been the exact 30-year anniversary of when the album came out in the United States. But because of COVID, I had to wait a little bit longer. But it's still the 30-year anniversary, darn it.
1: (laughs) Tell us about the track, You're All That Matters to Me.
0: Well, You're All That Matters To Me was the second single from my first album, and uh, it it was a, a hit all over the world. My first song, I Wonder Why, was the big smash. That was top 10. You're All That Matters To Me, particularly um, in, in Great Britain, uh, is still, I mean, it gets played at weddings all the time. It's one of those songs. I originally... We recorded it as though it uh, was kind of a Phil Spector wall of sound. You know, I mean, probably the closest thing uh, to it uh, as far as from that world would have been a Righteous Brothers thing. That's that's what we were going for, that, that uh, you've lost that love and feeling vibe. Now I play it like a very intimate, quiet, personal jazz love song. You know, I mean, that's what it is. It's a big, fat love song. But uh, I, I do a very different version of it now. And I so I, I wanted to get that on tape for this record.
1: How did you begin kind of reimagining these, you know, classic song of yours?
0: Well, normally I, I will spend a lot of time thinking about arrangements and then I'll get together with with my co-producer or piano player and we'll work out brand new arrangements of songs that we're doing for a record for this album. I had these these were ready these were ready and done because we'd spent decades evolving them i mean i i i we've we've worked on these songs these new arrangements at sound checks and on stage in front of audiences we'll play you know we'll play what's so funny about peace love and understanding by nick Lowe? um we've played it three or four different ways over the last uh 20 years you know it sounded. Entirely different ten years ago than it does now. So when we went into the studio, we were ready. We didn't. We didn't really have to think about these at all. They were just. They were there. They were already. They were. They were tried and true arrangements that uh, you know audience tested.
1: Um, and you mentioned your songs being part of the Bodyguard and the you know the opener for Sins of Anarchy. What has that been like to be part of a broader aspect of pop culture?
0: Well, I mean, the Bodyguard soundtrack was so huge, and it was such a surprise. I, I I recorded a song by one of my heroes, Nick Lowe. He wrote the song. Elvis Costello sort of had the, the famous version of it, uh, of what's so funny about peace, love, and understanding. But then the, the movie came out, and the album started selling. And because of Whitney Houston's five hit songs, massive hit songs, the album sold 45 million copies, which... Um, did a lot uh, for my relationship with Nick Lowe. I had never met Nick Lowe previously. He was a hero of mine from when I was a kid even. And I got a call from him saying, thank you so much, Curtis. And you'll, he, he told me I'd never have to buy another meal in London as long as I lived. And uh, um, so I'm friends with somebody that I grew up uh, admiring and, and idolizing. So that was a big part of it. Um, and uh, I, I made less money than he did. He made a lot of money um, because I was on the same label uh, a, a, as the album was on. A lot of that money went toward the making of my next record. So the, the record companies always have a, a, a way of keeping your money and, <laughs> they did, but um, but that was fun. And then the Sons of Anarchy thing, that was just a, a really nice break. A, a friend of mine is the, was the, the music supervisor and he asked me to write the lyrics. Once I'd written the lyrics or co-written the lyrics, uh, I sang a demo for it and that demo became the recording. So I was the voice of Sons of Anarchy. It led me to... Uh, or led a lot of new fans to me, which was nice. You know, I make these days, I make pretty, pretty uh, well, quieter jazz records. I mean, they still have, they have still have loud points, but not nearly the rock thing that uh, that that sons of anarchy thing was. So it brought a lot of people that wouldn't have found me otherwise. It's been a lot of fun. And I got to, we, we were nominated for an Emmy award. That was cool. I got to go to the Emmys and ride in a ride in a limo with my friend, Seth MacFarlane. It was cool. It was a nice time.
1: Speaking of Seth McFarland, you got to be in the Ted movies. Tell us about that.
0: Yeah, I met Seth McFarland in in London, actually. We Seth's a great singer. I mean, a lot of people don't know that. I mean, they think of him as a as a, a voice artist and a and a and a, a cartoonist and a, you know, I mean, he's Seth. He's a he's a he's a movie star. But um Seth is a great singer, and we sang uh, on a couple of big orchestral shows at Royal Albert Hall and became friends. We toured a little bit after that with that orchestra. And uh, he I was actually in Boston while he was shooting that first Ted movie to sing with him. we were We were recording the album of this concert that we had done in London. And he said, "Well, why don't you just stay an extra day, and be in the movie?" I was like Okay, sure. So I pretended to play piano. I don't even play piano. That's the great thing. I'm a, I, I play sax and I sing and I play some guitar. I'm not really a piano player, but in the first Ted movie, I'm the, I'm the restaurant piano player. And just last week, my wife got a text from someone that said literally this, am I high or is Curtis in Ted? <laughs> and she wrote back and said no you're you're not high Curtis isn't Ted and it's just a it's a slow pan past me and then I'm not in the movie after that the second movie he asked me to be in and I get to sing at at Ted's wedding at the teddy bear's wedding at the very beginning I'm actually the wedding singer so I'm I do actually make a real appearance where I I, I make some noise but uh, uh it, it's a it's a very funny thing to have people say were you in Ted? You know people that I've known for years, and they'll just watch this movie late. You know, much later than the, re- the movie was released, years later, and they'll just. Were you? Were you in Ted? Yes, yes, I was in Ted. I was, a, and that is a funny movie. That is a really funny wrong. It's very wrong, and I love it very much.
1: How did you first get into music?
0: Well. I was a fan of the radio. You know, I, I, I before I moved to Idaho uh, with my with my mom, uh, we lived we lived in L.A. until I was about fourth grade. And you drive around a lot in L.A. You listen to the radio, and AM radio played everything. And so I really got into music. I loved. I loved radio and I loved records. The first album I bought was Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. And I knew from a pretty early age that I wanted to play music. I just started picking up instruments. I, I first played the clarinet in, in, the, in, the, in the grade school band, because a choir director Actually, I tried to, I auditioned for the Kiwanis Boys Choir and Mrs. Holsinger said, you, you can't sing. You're not a good singer. You should be in the band, <laughs> which, which I still love to tell, you know, it's like, you shouldn't be a, you can't sing kid. But it did lead me to being a musician because, you know, it, it led me to playing instruments that I would not have played otherwise. Uh, so that was good. Uh, I played clarinet. Then I started playing drums. And and I just, by the time I was done with high school, I realized that was all I did. You know, so I went to college for, for jazz music and uh, soon after that I moved to New York and uh, and f- sort of found my way and got a record deal but it, it it's just because I'm a fan I love records I love the radio I love a good song and that's just what I do it's 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 the thing that I do it's the thing that I would do for free if if uh, if I didn't get paid for it
1: who have been some of your biggest inspirations
0: well, certainly Elton John was a big early influence because I, you know, I just, I memorized all of his records from the seventies. When I was a kid, I just knew every, every song, but I've, I've been influenced by so many different types of music and so many artists. Ray Charles is a huge influence on me as a singer. Um, uh, I love Joni Mitchell. I love Elvis Costello. Uh, I love singer songwriters, you know, uh, uh People like uh, new people like Jason Isbell and, and Hayes Carl, people that maybe aren't household names, but who are making incredible music. There are so many great singer songwriters out there and I could name a, a million. Ella Fitzgerald was really big in, in my jazz uh, growth and uh, Sarah Vaughn, people like that. Joe Williams. Uh, I love blues singers. I, I love B.B. King. So anyway, I could go on and on about my influences. I I, I just like music.
1: What was one of your favorite collaborations uh, and well, you have a dream collaboration that you'd still love to do
0: well i got to um i got to write a song with carol well, i got to write several songs with carol king one of which was on my album brighter days many years ago um carol is a, is an old friend and and what an amazing writer i was so lucky to work with her so i've written with a lot of cool people barry mann who wrote you've lost that love and feeling with his wife cynthia Weil. um I got to sing. I, I duetted with Al Green. I duetted with Sean Colvin. These are people that I, you know, I admire, I idolize. And that was amazing. I, I really love uh, Diana Krall. I think she's a wonderful singer, piano player, really interesting artist. I think our voices would sound great together. So, I mean, to put, um, you know, if you, if, you, if you held a gun to my head, that would be the first one I'd, I'd, I'd say, is I, I wouldn't mind singing with, with uh, Diana Krall at all.
1: And who have been some of your uh, favorite people to perform for or who you were most excited performance? Oh,
0: to be, to be, to perform, perform in front of, um, I, uh, well, I, I played at, uh, I played at Buckingham palace recently, actually just a couple of years ago, I got to play with the Ronnie Scott's big band, uh, for, Prince Charles and uh, the whole Prince's Trust—they were all there gathering for for a week, and I was uh, the special guest that night. I got to sing, uh, got to sing some songs, sing one of my songs, and a couple Sinatra things. That was really that was exciting. He was very very nice. I I was. He was very impressed with how down to earth he was. He, he met every single member of the band. He shook the hand of every member of the big band. It was 20 guys asked them what instrument they played. It was very, he was, he was cool. He was a lot, He was a lot hipper than I thought he'd be. It was like a really good cocktail host, you know a good cocktail party host. He's like, Hey, hello welcome to my house it was it was very cool so that was pretty exciting um van morrison has been coming to my shows in london the last couple of times i played there that's that's almost debilitating to have van morrison in the audience it's almost like you know it, it's it's pretty it, to have grown up listening to someone as much as i i did and then to have him in the audience it's a it's, it's a little terrifying
1: and do you have any shows coming up
0: i am back out on the road yeah i i'm uh, the album comes out to the album comes out February 25th and I'll be in London uh, on uh, on stage in London at Ronnie Scott's Jazz Club that week. I come home for a couple of weeks and then I go back to the UK. I'm I'm on the road for about a month uh, touring over there and I'll be I'll be all over the world. You just check out CurtisTigers.com, and you'll see I'm I'm a busy man. I like I like playing for people. That's how I define myself is as a live performer. I like making records. I love being on stage. So, I tend to be on the road all year long you know I come home a lot but I'm 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 kind of a I'm a full-time tourer
1: and you mentioned some before but are there any other current artists or music you listen to these days
0: uh, you would put me on the spot <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see I'm trying to think of who else uh, again, I, I listen to I listen to people that maybe a lot of people. I don't tend to listen to pop radio that much, so I hear stuff that other people don't. There's a there's a wonderful artist uh, who I actually know, who's uh, really getting a lot of uh, uh, press and, and uh, noise about her these days. Her name is Elon Jewell. Really great singer songwriter. Uh, somewhere between she's kind of. It's like if you took Billie Holiday and Loretta Lynn, you know, the country singer, and put them together. It's like jazz, country, country jazz. Um, I I, I really, I think she's great. She's one I would would bring up. Uh, But, you know, you put me
1: on the spot. I can't think of anybody else. (laughs) (laughs) And now that you've been in the business for 30 years, what's one of your most uh, proudest accomplishments? What are you most proud of?
0: Well... The thing that has been most important to me has been the music. I mean, I've done a lot of cool things. I've played in front of, you know, eighty-eight thousand people at, at Wembley Stadium. I played at Shea Stadium with Elton John and Eric Clapton. I, you know, I, I've, I've met my heroes. I've, you know, I've been on all the TV shows, Letterman and and the Tonight Show and and all that stuff. But the thing that I'm most proud of is just that I I play the music that I love. I I it, I I. I sort of, I had to dismantle my pop career in order to make music that uh, really I was the the boss of. You know, I, I'm I'm a bit of a control freak, so I pride myself in being somebody that that makes music for myself, and then hopefully other people. Uh, Hope uh, there there are enough other people that like it that uh, I can pay the mortgage and put my daughter through college. So I've uh, I, I I sort of I had to forego being a, a, a zillionaire, uh, or at least uh, the possibility of it so that I could make the music that I love. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm happy with that. I, I love my career and I love how my life is going.
1: And what's next for you? Is there something you still want to accomplish that you haven't yet?
0: Oh, I, I, I keep looking for new things. You know, I, I have this, I have this every Wednesday, I have my live stream show songs from my kitchen and uh, that has led me to think maybe I wanna make a record like an acoustic record, uh, the way that I do my shows in my kitchen with my guitar and my dogs, you know, just just a record with me and my dogs might be the thing. And I, I wanna take that on the road with a screen behind me. I've got a whole plan for that. I'd also love to make a record with an uh, with an orchestra. I've, I've played a lot with orchestras over the years, but I've never gotten to make a recording. It costs a lot of money. So I'm gonna need some, uh, I mean, if, if anyone, out there wants to financially back me to record with, uh, with, the uh, with some amazing, uh, big orchestra, I'd be happy to talk to you.
1: You can crowdsource too.
0: <laughs> yeah. Whatever it takes. So that there, but I'm, I'm always looking for something new and I'm, I'm always confusing publicists. Who, who is this guy? Who is this? Why does he do so many different things? Well, it's just, it keeps me interested. That's it's, it's who I am. I, I'm versatility has always been my, my blessing and sometimes my curse.
1: And what do you like to do when you're not working?
0: I am an avid cyclist. I spend a lot of time on my mountain bike here in Idaho. Uh, and I'm a road cyclist as well. And then in the winter, I ski. I love to cross country ski and downhill ski. I've been doing that since I was a kid. Uh, so that's, those are the things that I spend a lot of time at. I also, um uh, I spend a lot of time here at home raising funds for Interfaith Sanctuary Homeless Shelter. It's a it's a, a low barrier shelter that my wife now happens to be the executive director of. We started raising funds for them 15 years ago, and we've raised over two million dollars for them. And I'm I'm really I, I'm very serious about that, and very proud of, of the work that we get to do. I'm, I'm 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 grateful that I get the chance to take to help take care of people who need some help.
1: Awesome. And since we're Life Minute TV, what's a piece of life advice that you live by or something? Just your best piece of advice.
0: um, Follow your heart. Don't let anybody tell you that your dream is wrong. Give it a shot. You know, you can always try something else, but uh, that's what I that's what I learned is is you know sometimes you have to you have to follow your own path and uh, as long as you're being a good person taking care of other people when when they need help uh, you know you can do your own thing follow your heart this is uh, my song i wonder why That's on my it comes from my new album this life
2: love is a hunger it burns in my soul but you never know it the pain And love is an anchor that won't let me go I reach out to hold you but you push me away Then you always convince me to stay And I wonder why we hold on with tears in our eyes and I wonder why we have to break down to make things all right. And I wonder why I can't seem to tell you goodbye. Yes, I wonder why. Now I'm no angel with my selfish pride. I love you more every day. Love is an anger that builds up inside as the tears of frustration roll down my face. Why does love always have to turn out this way? And I wonder why we hold on tears in our eyes, and I wonder why we have to break down to make things all right, and I wonder why I can't sing to tell you goodbye, yes, I wonder why. just want to find my way And I wonder why we have to break down To make things go right And I wonder why I can't sing. tell you goodbye Yeah, yes, I wonder why Yeah, baby, I wonder why Love, love is a hunger
0: To see more of this interview, visit our website, lifeminute.tv. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, Life Minute TV.